sets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards, shy of the right. Williams breaks the hole. of the Longhorns Country Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Galatson, and I'm once again joined by my good friend, John Garcia. Uh, John, how you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Just just trying to keep up, but so, so excited that that football season is pretty much here. Watching preseason games this weekend and uh, was at high school practices, so it's it's definitely in the air, and, and it's, it's just the best time of year for me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, when, when you turn on the Hall of Fame game last week and see the Cowboys and, and the Steelers on the field, even though it's just the backups, you know, Garrett Gilbert and, and all those guys, it, it's still nice because, um, you know, football's been gone since, you know, really February since the Super Bowl ended. College football's been gone, you know, since January. So uh, it's, it's getting fun again. It's getting ramped up. They're, you know, everybody's back in camps. Uh, high school scrimmages are starting. So this is the this is the time that we live for and where we make our dollar. So um, I think both of us are really ready for football season to actually kick off here. But um, let's just go ahead and jump right into it, because we had some big recruiting news. And seeing as you're the Sports Illustrated uh, expert on recruiting, um, I kind of wanted to get your take on it. So uh, Bear Alexander. uh big time defensive tackle. I don't even know where he's playing football next season because, because uh, he's jumped around every year almost. Last year he was at Denton Ryan with Jatavian Sanders and Austin Jordan, all those guys. But um, he narrowed – and he's a, he's a, a pretty major Longhorns target. Uh, they, they were on him pretty hard. Um, I don't know that they were ever in the thick of it, you know, along with AM and Georgia – and, and all those other guys. I mean, he was committed to Georgia at one point and then decommitted, but he narrows down his top two to AM and Georgia, cuts the Longhorns out. Um, why don't you just tell everybody what Texas is missing out on on Bear, Bear Alexander and, you know, maybe what the Aggies are getting? Because he, he's, he comes in ranked as your number 14 player, uh, an interior defensive lineman uh, on your SI-99. Um, and he's really an intriguing prospect. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the name Bear says a lot <laughs> on the front end. Obviously, that's not his, his given name, but, but that's how he plays. You know, he's the type of prospect that despite all the transition that you mentioned, and honestly, despite a lack of available tape, not a big camp guy on top of that. So it's not like everyone has this, ultra wide Sam Ellinger sample of what this kid can do. But even in the small samples, you get so much ferocity, size, athleticism on the defensive interior. Only two reasons he's not a top 10 guy for us at SI. One, the available tape, which we just mentioned. Two, a really, really good interior defensive line class. Remember, we rank interior guys and edge prospects. So we don't do defensive tackle, defensive end, outside linebacker, all of those are blended together because it's reflective of 
uh, the, the current defensive schemes that we see in college and even in the NFL game. So Bear slides with the interior defensive linemen. So there are some pure pass rushers ranked ahead of him. But when, when you just get to the thick of it, literally, the bigger guys, 300 pounds plus, there's not many better in the country on, on the ceiling sample than Bear Alexander. Very quick off the line, extremely strong at the point of attack, just a pocket collapser, but he's got that athleticism to where he can rush the passer from the inside. And that's why he's coveted by some of the top, you know, defensive programs in the country. Um, and I was going to say, you know, he's opting for the SEC over the Big 12, but obviously Texas is now, you know, I don't know how we classify them right now, but, you know, we can't say it the same way we used to. Uh, but this is definitely a big loss or potential loss for Texas should he end up with AM or with Georgia, not only uh, because he's a state of Texas prospect, regardless of where he plays in 2021, uh, but positionally, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is known for offense. We know that. But he also is, is coming from the Nick Saban tree, from that SEC tree. And when you rebuild a program, you got to build it from the inside out. So missing on prospects like this at that position looms very large because that is truly the physical and, and really cultural foundation of, of your roster. So it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. Right. And, you know, he's uh, I looked it up. He's going to uh, Fort Worth Brewer next season and another school. I think that's his fourth in four years. Is that correct? That's what we're tracking. Yeah. New school every year to this point. And, and you know, take that for what it's worth. You know, who, who's really behind those moves, uh, how that affects continuity, schematics, you know, how comfortable can he really be playing in four def different defensive schemes? But yeah, it's it's something to to take into consideration 100 percent. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, the line of scrimmage is kind of where it's kind of where these things are built, uh, no matter what your scheme is. You know, you, you have to have a powerful offensive line. You have to have a powerful defensive line or otherwise, you know, especially now with Texas going to the SEC, you're going to get dominated in that conference if you don't have those things. Um, and it, it's very important. And the loss of Bears is, is, is kind of big in that regard. But on the other side of that, um, they are in the running for an elite interior offensive line product. Uh, Devin Campbell, who I know you have very highly ranked, um, you know, we, I got to watch him at the Under Armour All-American camp, uh, this spring, he was absolutely dominant. Um, so tell us a little bit about him because he has been in the news a little bit recently because of, uh, some Twitter video of him just demolishing <laughs> people in, in this, uh, in this, you know, uh, high school preseason stuff that he's been up to. So, Tell us a little bit about him and, and what the Longhorns might be able to expect out of him should they be able to swing him. He's my favorite offensive lineman in this class of, of 2022. Um, he's projected on the interior, number one interior guy. Um, but really, that's just a, a more of a measurables thing. Listed at 6'3", you know, we'd love to, to get a confirmation on the frame, which will help us positionally to, to rank him. But regardless, I don't care if he's six foot. I mean, this is a devastating blocker, uh, like you said. I mean, the stuff he's gone viral for lately is what he's really shown for years on tape. I mean, he is an absolute modern age move guard. I mean, he is the guy you run behind. He is the guy who you want to run behind in space. He can get to the second level, very comfortable on the move. Somebody that big and strong 
shouldn't be that light on his feet. Again, I think he has tackle athleticism. He's just kind of in a guard center body. So depending on where he goes and, and where and how much he grows, the position may change, but definitely my favorite offensive lineman to watch on tape uh, to this point. And it's a pretty good group at the top. Uh, when you're looking at the interior guys, it's Devin Campbell, it's Tyler Booker from IMG, uh, big time prospects. And then at tackle, a lot of longer, more athletic type prospects um, scattered in the SI 99. So for him to be kind of the, the favorite and, and definitely the most fun to watch on tape, I think it says a lot uh, about Devin Campbell. We just talked about it with Bear. This is huge for Texas. We talked about the trenches and Texas prospects. I mean, he checks all of those boxes. So for them to still be in the running right now, I think is a pretty big deal. Curious to see how his recruitment matures into the fall. You know, we, we have at this point, uh, the open periods coming back, kids are going to be able to make visits to these college campuses for games. And Texas has no shortage of big games, especially early in the season, which I know we'll talk about later. Um, how many games does Devin show up to, you know, you know, that those little things start to add up, you know, especially with a transition staff, like, like Texas is dealing with right now under Sark. So to be in the game is big. Um, we know some of the coaches that Sark brought with him from Alabama include uh, what Kyle flood up front who just signed, you know, the best offensive line class in the country at Alabama last year. So there is prowess there. There is precedent there. There is, uh, you know, that head coach to position coach, you know, continuity. Um, but obviously heavy hitters are, see what we see on tape uh, with Devin. So it won't be that simple. But the longer it goes, I think it's, it's at, at its best for a school like Texas, because now that kid gets to see the on-field product. He gets to feel and hear the buzz with the in-state program. You, you start to consider the long-term play, the SEC move, all of those things if you're you're a kid who's willing to play a little bit uh, more patient in the recruiting game. So not much to knock off the field um, other than the measurables, but, you know, we love football players here. You know, we're, we're not into the projection height, weight, combine stuff as much. So if you can, you know, get from point A to point B and knock someone on their rear end, uh, we're going to be a big fan of yours. And, and I don't think anybody in this class does it as, as well as Devin Campbell. Well, so here – Give me a give me a little insight on this other aspect of this because um, Texas has been in the running for a few of these elite guys that have either not announced yet or like you know Kelvin Banks is going to Oregon as of right now. Um, how important is is Devin Campbell to this recruiting class for Texas? Because the other two guys they have along the offensive line are. They're not as well known. They're definitely interior guys. Um, they're not the elite prospects like like a Devin Campbell or a Kelvin Banks or perhaps a Cam Dewberry or one of those kind of guys. It, it, is he sort of the? I mean, we we talked about Evan Stewart last week, but is is Devin Campbell sort of at least in the running for that most important recruit left on the board for them? Yeah, I think if you're building the football team and in house. He's the most important because uh, you got your quarterback, right? You got Malik Murphy coming in, but you know, perceptionally, it's certainly Evan Stewart, right? I mean, I don't think there's a debate there. We all know you talk about viral and speed and flash and easy to see stuff. Evan's got all of that. Um, but when you're talking about winning football games and building, you know, I think in-house it, it could be very well be uh, Devin Campbell. Both of them are Texans, but when you talk about positionally, 
Um, even if he's not a tackle, let's, let's just take that off the board. If he becomes your swing prospect, your young lineman who can play multiple positions, and that's something we know Kyle Flood likes to do, right? A lot of future tackles start off at guard under Kyle Flood. You know, if he could be that swing guy, guard, center, maybe out to right tackle when he matures and becomes an upperclassman, that is so, so valuable for the continuity of your offensive line. Um, so I think he's a tone setter. I think he's a culture guy. I think he is a very, very important recruit uh, for any process, for any program, I should say. But if you're building internally, you know, you might not let this get outside of the building. But, you know, that's the kind of guy you want to build with when you have your quarterback on board. Uh, you, you look at the trenches, you look in state first, and then you go from there. So I think internally, he's probably the most important recruit that is uncommitted. Externally, it's Evan Stewart. But obviously, if you're Texas, you want to do all you can to land both of them, if at all possible. Yeah, because, you know, they're, they're starting to fall behind a little bit in terms of the in-state battles at this point, because A&M's been on a hot streak lately. Um, you know, they just got Dion Bowie. Uh, they got in the, in the final two for, uh, for Bear Alexander. So they need, to, they need to do something to answer that, I think, um, and keep their momentum alive. And, you know, um, landing cornerstones like Devin Campbell and Evan Stewart really put a sort of an exclamation point on an opening class for Sark that even though it doesn't have outside of Murphy and, and Jaden Blue, in the, you know, in the, in that SI 99, it doesn't have um, those bookends necessarily, but Evan Stewart and Devin Campbell would be that in my opinion. And that is a really big exclamation point for Sarkeesian heading into his final class. 100%. And, you know, it, and we talk about Sarkeesian's first year and um, there's obviously a lot of hype behind it already, not just because of the recruiting, but he brings this sort of um, crazy offensive production that he, that he had at Alabama. And, you know, obviously some of that has to do with the fact that he had, you know, Devontae Smith and he had all these other players. And then he, he, you know, he turns Mac Jones into superhuman and he almost wins the Heisman. Um, and he, he's bringing that to Texas. And as a result, some of these preseason polls, um, have had Texas in the top 25, despite a pretty big turnover, not having a returning starting quarterback uh, and Sam Ellinger, who was one of the best in school history. You're breaking in a new player there. Um, you've got some turnover on the defensive side of the ball from transfers, but you got some in incoming transfers coming in. So you really don't know what you're going to get. Uh, Pat Forty in his SI uh, preseason top 25 put the Longhorns at number 23. Uh, I believe they came in at number 19 in the coaches poll. Um, so how do you feel about that ranking, those rankings as of right now? Are those too high? Are they too low? Are they just right? Or what, what's your kind of feel? On it? You know, I think a lot of the preseason polls, which is a, a debate in and of itself, uh, whether or not we need them or should have them. Uh, but look, this is college. We like to talk about it. The preseason polls are always about the combination of the few players you know that are returning and the benefit of the doubt given to the guy running the program. I mean, look at the top of the list. How many of these schools are replacing quarterbacks? That you know, the, How many of these schools at the top of the list are replacing the guy who took the first snap of last year? Obviously, number one, Alabama replacing Mac Jones, who you just mentioned. Ohio State replacing 
uh, Justin Fields. Georgia's day one starter last year was not JT Daniels. Clemson's replacing Trevor Lawrence. Do, do I need to go on here? And those are the top four. So Texas being not in that group, but a few pegs down from that group makes sense. It's just a part of what we do this time of year. Is there talent in that quarterback room? Absolutely. We still don't know the guy. I know we talked about it a lot last week. We still don't know the guy, but the guy coaching the guy is getting some of that benefit of the doubt. There's no doubt about it. Remember, with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, even pre-Alabama, there wasn't a whole lot of on-the-field knock to this guy. The offense was always innovative. It, would, it was always throwing and quarterback-friendly. So why wouldn't it still be that as he's matured and, and now jumped back into the head coaching rank? So I, I do believe that benefit of the doubt has been given to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, regardless of the, the turnover at the quarterback position. I mean, if Sam Ellinger is there, how many more spots higher do you think Texas would be? Top 10, top 12? I mean, that, that's that's how fragile it is with these preseason rankings because this is college. You know, guys are turning over every three, four years. It's not the NFL where, where, where people are entrenched and you don't see as much fluidity. I mean, this is college where I think there is a lot of room for movement. There's room for Cinderella's like Iowa State and Indiana to pop up every couple of years when you develop and, and you have guys who, who buy in and stay for, for three, four, five, I guess even six years, if we're talking about uh, everybody gaining that extra year of eligibility. Um, so I think the ranking is fine. I, I, I didn't see it the other day and kind of freak out and say, whoa, this is way too high or way too low. I think they're a borderline top 25 team heading into the season. But the good news is we're going to get that answer. You know, Texas plays Louisiana September 4th. Texas plays Arkansas right after that. I mean, you're, you're going to get two very different looks from those programs. And if you get through each of them unscathed, you belong in the top 25. Um, so that's somewhat of what people are, are banking on. And there's still a lot of talent on this roster. Um, you mentioned the transfers. I think some of those guys are going to have an immediate impact. I don't know if Xavier Worthy counts as a transfer, but he's going to have a big time impact. He's, he's, you know, the fastest receiver on the roster pretty much immediately. We mentioned the, the talent in the quarterback room. Uh, we all know what, what B. John Robinson brings uh, to, to all three downs from the running back position. And there's now some depth there behind him. I think there's some experience in the trenches. Um, we know they lost some, some turnover there on the defensive side of the ball, but I like the secondary talent they bring back. And there's an element of experience there too. Uh, with with Overshawn, with B.J. Foster, who's been there forever, one of my favorite safeties to evaluate coming out of high school. Maybe he puts it all together with, with extra time on campus. I think there's a lot there to like with Texas, um, but we're going to find out right out of the gates with the schedule. So I, I think the, the preseason polls are what they are. And, and Sark is, is you're, you're seeing the perception of Sark and, and that Alabama rehab program. For coaches, you know, it, it really does work. I mean, look at the team ranked ahead of them, Louisiana, right, with Billy Napier, who they're going to play week one. I mean, you talk about benefit of the doubt. You know, it's not like Louisiana has always been in this conversation, but you, you get up there one year, you retain the coach-quarterback combination, and all of a sudden, everybody can see you building something. So Texas isn't quite there, and they're ranked behind them by, by SI, uh, probably rightfully so. But again, we're going to find out on the field in, in just a couple of weeks. But I think this ranking is totally fine. Anybody doing the overrated, underrated thing, 
I mean, the media is doing this. Like we're the ones putting them at this place. So how could we be the ones saying who's overrated and underrated? That's like me saying, hey, in my SI 99, Travis Hunter is overrated as the number one guy. I mean, I built the thing. So it's kind of funny. It's ironic, but it's also just that time of year where until we see things kick off, this discussion and back and forth will continue. Well, you, you mentioned one guy in there about the that it's one of these unknowns going into the season that uh, I kind of want to touch on for a minute before we move on. But um, Xavier Worthy, you know, he you, you mentioned his speed and all of that. Um, Sark has really gone out of his way to talk about Xavier Worthy early on in camp so far, um, not just with his, you know, his tangibles on the field, but the way he's learning the system, the way he's, the way he's working and all that stuff. Um, but, but, but Longhorn fans don't really know a whole lot about him as a whole. Can you kind of shed some light on Xavier Worthy it, it, as far as what he might bring to the passing game for Texas? Because they haven't had, I think I mentioned this last week, but they really haven't had that dominant receiving threat that people are scared of uh, since Colin Johnson. So tell us a little bit about Xavier and, and how he could change the Texas offense. Well, everything we say about Evan Stewart as a recruit, I think Xavier Worthy brings similar to the table. But here's here's the X factor with, with X. He's longer. He is longer than Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart is, you know, I, I saw him a couple of weeks ago in person. He's 5'11", six foot-ish, maybe. Xavier Worthy, who we've also seen in person, is six foot on the on the low end, six one, longer arms, longer limbs, and thus more room to fill out. But before he physically matures, you know, his calling card is that speed. I'd love to see them race. I think there will be a conversation for Worthy to win that race. But even being in the ballpark, I think tells you a lot about what he can bring uh, to an offense. It's about changing the game in one play. And I think Xavier Worthy can do that with his vertical game. He has polished up over the last year or two um, in a very strong direction. He can play more underneath. And he's listed at, what, 170 or whatever. You know, you want to see a couple more pounds on there. But we've seen Texas, you know, make plays down the field with lighter guys in the past, whether it's Josh Moore, even going back to the Devin Duvernay's of the world um, there. So, I think you can have that downfield element. And then the rest of the receiver room is experienced enough to, I think, play underneath a little bit. You know, that there's there's a lot of interesting talents coming back. Uh, I, I believe we just talked about Josh Moore. I believe he's coming back for his 47th year on <laughs> campus. Uh, you know, he's a polished guy, you know, really improved in terms of making plays in traffic last year. I thought he battled some drops early in the season but really polished up and, and played a little bit more physical pound for pound, which is what you want. So now you bring in, you know, more speed and vertical threats. Guys like Moore can operate underneath uh, a little bit more uh, favorably. Um, so I think that really helps to expand the possibilities of the offense. I expect all these guys to be moving around a lot, taking from what Sark did at Alabama. Your number one guy isn't always the Colin Johnson X wide receiver on the outside, kind of hanging out by himself. No, he's going to play in the slot. He's going to move around. He's going to go in motion. He's going to take a jet sweep. He's going to take a bubble screen. He's going to be all over the field. Um, so I think Worthy will find a role somewhere within that because he can do all of those things 
very successfully. So I, I think when you when you pair the talent with again that benefit of the doubt that Sark is receiving, it, it leads to less worry about the wide receiver position. I think there's a much more worry at quarterback um, and and probably with, with the pass rush on defense. And I think Worthy kind of like was the last piece to that comfort puzzle, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about the pass rush a little bit and, and this wasn't on our list of topics to talk about, but it kind of came to mind once you mentioned that um, there's one guy that's pretty interesting and I don't, and I don't, I don't know how much you know about him off the top of your head, but uh, Ben Davis is a transfer from Alabama and he was very highly rated coming out of high school. Um, he had trouble getting on the field at Alabama because Alabama's Alabama. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he seems to be sliding into a starting role in the pass rush. Is there anything you can tell us about him that, that, that uh, Longhorn fans should be kind of on the lookout for because he's kind of an intriguing prospect? Always been intriguing. Um, ben Davis was, we thought, a can't-miss kid coming out of, of Gordo High School in Alabama, just, just west of, of Tuscaloosa, the son of Alabama's all-time leading tackler. So, you know, you talk about benefit of the doubt. There, <laughs> he got a lot of it coming out in high school, but – I think something we overlooked was just the level of competition he played. Real small school, not the best competition. He was the best player and athlete on the field at all times. And he was a two-way guy who kind of never really found a home. You know, he was a tight end. He was a receiver. He was a pass rusher. He was a linebacker. But he got exposed a little bit because physically he wasn't ready to combat these smaller, faster players. If this was 1996, Ben Davis finds a role and plays it almost immediately at Alabama, but in the modern game, playing that traditional linebacker spot at like 6'5", 240 or whatever he is, it just didn't work. Um, so I think repurposing him with the fresh start at a place like Texas, although he has a familiarity with some of the coaches, is exactly what he needed. He's a mature kid, big physical kid. He would flash on special teams at Alabama. So downhill, working outside in, there's still a lot of talent there. Um, you, we know the motivation is there. Uh, as well. But, you know, I thought where he shined brightest in high school was actually on the few occasions where we saw him pressure the passer. So combined with the need we just talked about, I think he's got all the opportunity in the world to make plays. Um, he can do it from a stand-up perspective. I know he has dabbled in the hand in the dirt, um, you know, pass rushing stance as well. So, so that versatility, I think, will be good. And, and you know he's learned a ton just having been at Alabama these past three or four years, uh, four plus years actually, um, in, in that system. So uh, I, I think there's there's a nice sort of comeback player of the year feel uh, to Ben Davis, who's, who's a really sharp kid um, off the field as well, which is something that I'm sure was taken into consideration when, when Sark decided to, to, to pull him over from Alabama, which I think uh, there was a couple Alabama prospects that are now on this Texas roster, but I think Ben is going to have the most attention from that group. And I think he's, he just kind of knows that this is it. This is kind of the last opportunity to make that impact. And I think he's, he's, he's going to be, you know, what to the wall, uh, every opportunity he gets and, and selfishly knowing the kid in high school, I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for him because uh, he's one of the, the true uh, pros at the high school level that we, we used to interact with. Um, so I think now that he's, found his positional home, he's matured, kind of gone through those lumps, uh, I think the sky's the limit, and, and I, I hope it is. Uh, 
ladies and gentlemen, that is a perfect example of why John Garcia is the best recruiting man in the business because <laughs> I just threw a totally random name at him and he talked about it for about five minutes without hesitating. So that's that's pretty incredible. Um, so let's let's kind of change gears a little bit and, and talk a little Longhorns in the NFL. Uh, we haven't really had a chance to do that yet. Um, but there's one name in particular that uh, everybody's been hearing a lot about lately in training camp so far uh, from Longhorns land. And that is, of course, Sam Ellinger, who <laughs> has uh, really had an opportunity presented to him. Shockingly, Carson Wentz got hurt yet again. Um, and it's given Sam an opportunity to kind of um, to shine a little bit. He's been in competition with Jacob Eason for uh for that backup role so far and right now heading into their game tomorrow night uh Eason is uh slated to start though Ellinger is going to get some um some first team reps and he you know six round pick uh you know people thought probably at best coming in coming into the draft that he was going to be kind of a third string maybe backup type quarterback in the NFL but he might have an actually have an opportunity to start some games now we don't know when Carson Wentz is going to come back. Uh, even when he does, he might, you know, stub his toe and, and, and do something else and be out for another three weeks. So um, it, it, it gives Sam a, a pretty good opportunity to show what he can do and, and earn some extra money. Uh, how do you feel about Sam's ability to succeed at the NFL level? Because a lot of people have counted him out and, you know, people did that when he was at Texas too, and he, he kept continuing to, to prove them wrong. And he's just, he's kind of got that winner's mentality that while it does sound kind of cheesy, there, there are certain players that, that have that and it matters. And I feel like he's one of those players, but do you think that that can translate to success for him at the NFL level? Absolutely, Matt. Um, I, I think he brings so much to the table in what you want today at the position. Is he the biggest kid with the biggest arm? No, but pretty much everything else from experience to production, to athleticism, to toughness, to, like you said, that knack for winning, the, the you know, the risk-taking. You know, we used to talk about touchdown interception ratio like it was the Bible in that if if somebody turned the ball over a lot, it was like an instant cancellation. Well, now you got to score, you know, 35 points to win at any level of football. So you you kind of need that guy who's flirting with the risk more than, than you used to. You know, the, the game manager isn't winning the Super Bowl anytime soon. He's not winning the college football playoff. He's not winning anything, you know. So I, I think, you know, your Trent Dilfer's, of the world with that Ravens team. I was talking about Rex Grossman leading the Bears to a Super Bowl appearance appearance without an explosive offense. Those those can't happen anymore. You have to put points on the scoreboard. Um, so with a guy who's as productive as Ellinger has been, who's lived up to the pressure, who's dealt with a ton on and off the field even, um, I think he's kind of built for this. Um, you know, coming out of high school, it was like a year or two after Jake Fromm kind of became that guy at Georgia, you know, freshman starter, not viewed as the best quarterback prospect, but kind of took the job and like never let it go. So there were a lot of comparisons made to Jake Fromm, uh, honestly, because they're both like 6'1 country white kids who don't have the biggest arm. That's like the main reason why. But 
Ellinger is a little bit bigger and a lot a bit more athletic than Jake Fromm, who's also in the NFL, by the way. I saw him playing in the preseason the other day. Um, so I just think that athleticism just brings a different element to the Colts attack. Look, the Colts offense was good last year with Phillip Rivers, but you talk about limitations. I think Tom Brady might have more <laughs> mobility than a Phillip Rivers. So I just think that offense was, was always going to be capped at a certain point. Um, but Ellinger brings you some of that Philip Rivers toughness, a lot more of that athleticism and, and a good enough arm to push the ball to all three levels and outside. We saw him do that time and time again at Texas. I mean, I think like 13,000 yards, like 120 touchdowns, something crazy like that. I mean, that's not with the pressure of that program and him always wanting to be that guy. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for a guy who accomplishes it. Sure. We laugh at the we're back moment after the bowl game against Georgia to bring it back to Jake from, um, you know, sure. It's fun to laugh at that and say, look, he, did, did he ever win the big game? Maybe not necessarily, but look at some of the guys we just talked about in college, Brady rivers, even from, you know, there's, there's really no true, um, connector between winning the quote-unquote big college game and winning successfully in the NFL. Russell Wilson didn't win big at NC State. He was solid at Wisconsin, 10-win season, but it wasn't. It was never national title sort of level, and, and same thing for those other guys, and I think if you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not many of them were, were no-brainer national title quarterbacks in college, so, so the knocks and the kind of casual, you know, making fun of them it's cute and fun, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the translation to the NFL. It's about fitting a modern system with your legs, with a strong arm, and the maturity to be able to handle a new playbook uh, for him under uh, under Frank Reich and those guys uh, over at, at Indianapolis. So, And I think he offers that counter. He's the counter to uh, what, what Jacob Eason can do in that offense. Jacob Eason is much more of a throwback, big, 6'5", huge arm, bigger arm than Carson Wentz. But, you know, Ellinger mechanically, athletically, a lot closer to Carson Wentz, which which is who the offense was being built for. So I just think there's an advantage uh, for Ellinger to, to, to go into this preseason and, and kind of let it all hang out. But he's always played with that mentality. So why would he change in the NFL? And, and there's a lot of benefits of doing that in Indianapolis, right? You're in a dome, <laughs> the, the whole the risk of, of the weather and all that stuff is just minimized relative to some other um, NFL destinations. You're with an offensive coach, a, really a quarterback's kind of coach. So you're going to get that extra time with the head man who's making the decision. So I really don't see why not. And, and you know, I'm a journalist. I'm, I'm all for the better story and no disrespect to Jacob Eason, but I, I think Ellinger doing anything positive in the NFL year one would be the better story. So why not? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Colts owner Jim Irsay is not exactly known for being the quietest guy in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> I think you would agree with that. Um, he recently came out and said, and I quote, with Sam, we're always hoping, and you think, where's the next Montana or Brady? Could that be him? You just don't know. And just putting the words Montana and Brady in the same sentence is, is Ellinger is, is going to uh, – spark a lot of conversation obviously you know people are going to say oh that's ridiculous and then there's the other side that are going to say oh you know sam's a winner all this all that but i think a better comparison for sam is actually dak prescott 
Um, Dak was kind of, I mean, Dak won the Heisman. Um, so there's a little bit of difference in, in sort of, um, you know. He almost won the Heisman. Wait, Dak didn't win the Heisman? Mm-mm. Wait, who did he lose to? Was that, what year was that? The Jameis Winston year or Lamar Jackson? I could have sworn he won the Heisman. Anyway, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm right. It's a long time ago. I'm getting old, people. Anyway, he was up for the Heisman. And Sam, you know, he was on the fringes, but he, I don't think he ever made it to the, um, you know, to the final ceremony. And that's fine. But on paper, they were kind of the same player a little bit in college. Like, they they had that big, you know, that big, strong body. They, they got used a lot in the run game. They were never exactly praised for their ability to throw the ball at the level as somebody like a Matthew Stafford was, or like somebody like that with the big arm, but they made plays. And I kind of feel like Ellinger fits that mold a little bit. Like he, he's got the same kind of gamesmanship as Prescott. He's got the same kind of, um, you know, team first mentality and leadership skills that Prescott has. And maybe it's not the same comparison. I know it's lofty still because Prescott just became the richest guy in the NFL, basically. But is that too much of a stretch to say that that Ellinger could could have Dak level success eventually, or is he kind of just, you know, is he kind of just destined as a as a fringe starter backup? Do you think? You know, the NFL is obviously king, but it's also tricky you know when you, when you look at those top quarterbacks there's just the college the college level of success especially in the hardware department you know that that got two first place votes by the way in 2014 but that was the year Mariota won the Heisman that's right um, you have to excuse my old <laughs> you're good um, I actually think that's a good comp uh, because they're both good athletes I think Elliger might be a little bit more nimble than Dak but I think Dak's a little bit bigger so I think that can counter uh, a little bit maybe you know a little bit tougher just in terms of what he can deal with when he's pressured in the pocket obviously older with more experience all that stuff but yeah Dak's arm's not setting the world on fire either um I just think that there's there's an intangible that both of those guys bring and it, it came with a ton of college experience uh, where they got the opportunity to chase for Dak a number one ranking, maybe a Heisman, and for Ellinger that that tall task of bringing Texas quote unquote back, they got to chase that on a very public stage at a very young age, and they got to follow it up year after year after year, and neither was expected to be a whole lot in the league. Obviously, Dak has taken advantage of that in, in a very strong way financially, but yeah, I think I think from a quarterbacking standpoint that's a solid comp much better than the Jake Fromm one that that Ellinger was getting uh, coming out of high school Um, but I think I think again with the modern asks of the position you have to have some of these elements the arms got to be you know b b plus or better check the mobility's got to be b b plus or better big check and then you got to have these other things you got to be able to just deal with crap honestly at, at the quarterback position these defenses are getting smaller and faster and more explosive. The, the blitzes are more complex and exotic. Can you catch those things? And it just leans to the guy who just has that experience. Um, I mean, look at the, again, it's about the Super Bowl. It's about getting all the way. Look at the quarterbacks that have done that over the last, 
you know, five, 10 years, it's all guys who were pretty well experienced at the collegiate level and or took a long time in the NFL to get to a certain point uh, where they were the focal point of, of, of their offense and team success. Um, so even early Brady, we talk about game manager. He was the ultimate game manager early on in his career. Um, just great defensive scheme, great situation. And it kind of worked out and now he's a lot different, but th that doesn't work the same way it used to. So I think it's gotta be with more of an athletic risk taker. And when you look at Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, um, the, these guys, even Aaron Rodgers, still taking a lot of risk. When you talk about the best quarterbacks, um, you know, in the NFL, even a Deshaun Watson, again, strictly on the field, taking a, a lot of risk. So I think Ellinger can ascend to that if everything rolls the right way. But, you know, it, it will start in the preseason. But I, I think it would be a great story. And, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me the more I talk about it. Yeah. And um, obviously, he's got a little, you know, a little bit of time to figure all this out. Uh, the Colts don't even take the field for their person first preseason game until tomorrow night um, against Carolina Panthers. So, you know, all every Longhorn fan on the planet, I'm sure is going to tune in for that one. So they can see him in a Colts uniform and, um, and that'll be exciting. But uh, John, thank you uh, once again for joining us. Uh, I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to come on every single week, but you're just such a good guest. I can't help it. Um, oh man, it's my pleasure. Always fun with you, man. But yeah, tell, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. SIAllAmerican.com is 100% free college football and basketball uh, recruiting information, rankings, videos, evaluations, player blogs, news, notes, analysis, the whole nine yards. Uh, very fun. And we're also throughout social media at SIAllAmerican, wherever you like to uh, get distracted on your phone. Yeah. And uh, they also get me into cool camps like Elite 11 and uh, stuff like that. So I really appreciate that as well. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of uh, the Longhorns Country podcast. Uh, make sure and like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite platform. We are now live on Blue Wire, so that means we will be on Apple Podcasts imminently. Uh, but just keep a lookout for us there, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Stay drip to the feet, night ticks on fleet. Fuck with it, fuck me, fuck shorty, fall free. Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Huh? Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh. Stay drip to the feet, night ticks on fleet. Fuck with it, fuck me, fuck shorty, fall free. Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh. Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh.